0: It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. My guest today is Steve Ricks. Steve has spent three decades honing and developing his skills as an expert in employee engagement, from startups to Fortune 100 companies. Steve has provided coaching and consulting in the development of people to perform at their highest level. Through the ebbs and flows of his own entrepreneurial journey, his experience has provided invaluable insight to corporate leadership, organizational health, and cultural vitality. Steve Ricks and Robert have a fun conversation about play. Steve wants to transform the human experience by injecting fun into the workplace. Play is an important part of relationship development and can help companies serve their employees better, which will in turn serve their customers better, Making everyone's experience on this planet better. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining me. I am just excited because, obviously, I think uh, our paths have crossed uh, for a purpose, and I think we both have a heart for people and a, a heart for for play. And I think it's going to be pretty exciting to
1: to share your story. There's no doubt about it. I um, uh, first and foremost to all of your viewers, listeners, wherever you are, um, aloha from beautiful Hawaii. Um, I, I love to call this the ultimate playground. Uh, it's nature's playground for sure. Um, how, however, I did notice that you and I share one commonality. I saw one of your pictures on your webpage of a really cool four by four. So I know one of the ways you like playing is being out in the mud with trucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we, sh- we share that in common for sure. And um, wherever our journey takes us today, I'm, I'm, I'm truly trusting that it will add value. So thanks for having me as a guest
0: absolutely Steve so typically I let everybody just start with their own entrepreneurial journey and I know that yours is yours has had some some big swings from up to down to up
1: and so let's uh let's just share that journey a little bit sure happy to i um a, as we were talking just before we came came live i I like to tell people that sometimes the path that we choose for ourselves is not always the path we end up on and and if I reflect back on 30 years of of being in the workforce, if you will, Um, starting at um, a community center associated with a church in inner city Chicago, helping uh, young boys stay out of trouble. Uh, It was a a time where like gang violence and shooting, uh, drive-by shootings were at one of their highest, at least in my lifetime. And, um, and, And being from there to 30 years later, having started seven companies across seven uniquely different industries, um, public, private, startup, Fortune 100, coaching and consulting. Um, the only thing I can tell you for sure is that in every one of those situations, the passion for that day, the fuel for the fire. It was never about could we make more sales. It was never about could we take the company public. Although on one attempt we tried and failed, um, uh, it was it was never about the the conventional achievements that one would consider in the business world. It was always about um, seeing people hit major landmarks in their life. I'll remember back in 2003, I was one of three people who started a mortgage company. And and if you or your audience remember back in the (laughs) early 2000s, that mortgage industry went on a ride, right? I mean, it just took off. Well, in our case, it took off to the tune of over 700 employees across uh, 21 offices in 14 states in just three and a half years. But none of that mattered. What mattered was when and I'm literally giving you first names of people I remember, people like Brad or Dre or Scott had never made a hundred thousand dollars before in their life and watching how that changed the freedom in their family. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that, that's what mattered to me or watching people who I long, I long lost touch with like Chuck and Becky. I like, I mean, the list goes on circle back to me today and talk about how their lives are better because they had an experience with our company. And so For me, um, that entrepreneurial journey taught me two things. Um, One, it taught me at the end of the day, all we really have is relationships. And two, it taught me that no matter how much I fell in in love with the ideas of maybe someday I'll, I'll make enough money where I can retire and just do the people thing like charity work that really I had it all wrong because in 2007, 2008, I was on the cusp of retirement at 37, 38 years old. And then within months, as the market crashed, I went from millions of dollars to 200 bucks in my wallet, given 27 different properties back to the bank and being on my knees and looking up and learning in um, a very, very short period of time that wealth had nothing to do with what was in my wallet. It was about what was in my heart, and the community of people around me. And it was at that point where I kind of pledged from here forward, whatever I do, it's going to be not work for today so tomorrow I can help people. It's gonna be just whatever work you do, make sure it's helping people. And so that journey started about um, 10, 12 years ago. And when I moved to Hawaii nine years ago, I uh, started a company today known as Play Lab. And it has been um, the single most challenging business thing I've ever done. And yet the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I'll leave you with this thought on that, on this entrepreneurial note, Robert, I finally figured out what I want to do when I don't grow up and it's play lab.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's, let's dig into, I just love the story of, of how that started sitting on a park bench and, and have a conversation.
1: So let's talk about that conversation. Yeah. So, you know, uh, PlayLab was um, was born out of um, not actually a park bench, but actually on the beach. Um, I was bemoaning the fact that it was I was going through divorce. And in my case, it was a second divorce. And that's not uncommon today. But in my world, all I could think was, man, I'd been really wealthy twice. I'd been married twice and now i was i was void of any of that and the only common denominator was me so um to be real ouch. honest I, yeah right that's right ouch is right and 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 to be real honest i was having a pity party i was uh sitting on a beach here in hawaii i was moping and along came two little kids and um and i'm sure if you've had children or been around you know when when children are little particularly Their energy, A, is infectious, and they are deterred by no one or nothing to to be or do what they're doing. And they came up to me, Robert, and they said, hey, mister, you want to play? And in a moment, you know, there's a part of you that's like, kid, can't you see that I'm like having a pity party? But in a millisecond, you're like, well, sure, why not? Of course. And. I like to tell people that we only played for 15, 20 minutes. We danced in the waves. We made a, you know, a hodgepodge uh, kind of sandcastle. And then along came their folks and apologized. I said, no apology needed. And when I got back in my kitchen and I opened up my journal and I started writing, I thought, wow, with no intended purpose, those kids invited me into an energetic space that shifted my energy and gave me some mental pliability to think of my personal world differently than the way I was stuck in it for, at that point, almost three months, teetering in and out of depression, not feeling any direction, and in minutes, play, as I like to say, saves the day. And, and that started me on a very curious journey because I've, I've, I've worked with spiritual development, with um, you know emotional development, physical, intellectual, personal and professional programs, you know, the Tony Robbins of the world and uh, the Grant Card, you know, I've been a consumer of this self-help industry. And what I've observed in my own life and in the life of many others is that it is in fact a roller coaster ride. And oftentimes the overwhelming majority of results go to a very small group of people and and I have several friends who have on a number of occasions prodded me to like, say, there's a better you go find it. And um, I just got sick and tired of being that guy with all this talent, with all this supposed like possibility and not realizing it. The Like, I don't like being told I have a lot of potential because that means I've, I've not really done what's possible. Right. So um I went on this journey and I asked myself, what is the transformational process all about and can play be part of it? And Robert, I'll tell you, nine years ago, people looked at me sideways when I said, Hey, look, I want to coach and consult with you about how to play and wake up your imagination. It's going to change everything. And they looked at me and said, what are you crazy? And, um, I said, well, you know, maybe a little, but it, it really works. And, um, that's brought us to today where, um, we're actually, uh, in the next couple of weeks, sitting down with a couple of Fortune 100 brands um, to talk about inserting play as a mentality and a modality into the workplace to create um, a safer mental health space for people. And um, so I'm glad I never gave up. I'm finally, I think, realizing potential. It's exciting for me.
0: Oh, so much, so much in there for, I, I understand the the potential because Pretty much my entire school career, my teachers always told my parents, "Robert has so much potential. He's not living up to his potential," and so I understand that that label, and and I definitely have carried that mindset <laughs> into my business and into my life, and and wrestle with it because yeah, it's it's challenging, but I love the amount of times that children come up and and you know, uh. Obviously, I'm a former pastor, spent 20 years in ministry and Jesus, you know, talks about let the children come to me and everybody just talks about the innocence. Oh, it's the innocence. And for me, no, it's it. There's so many other things you mentioned that they're not deterred by anything Mm -hmm. like children have determination and 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 they think unlimited. Right. They have unlimited possibilities. They they believe that anything is possible and I think yeah, and I'm so, oh, so good.
1: It, it's huge, and I think what you what you bring up there is so important. And of course, you know, for any of us to say we we truly understood what Jesus meant, it's it's always hard. We can interpret based on you know the rules of interpretation. But one thing's for sure, like um, if we're if we're going to use the word innocence, maybe we we would change that narrative. Like the word that they're unmarred, like almost as if their programming of of limitation has not been impressed upon them by the society around them yet, right? Like I tell people all the time for a long time in society, play as a action or a storyline has been relegated to one of three things. The first one, which you just alluded to, well, that's what children do, Right. I can't I can't tell you how many times as a as a teenager, even as a young adult, sometimes people would ask me, hey, you want to act your your age and not your oh. shoe size. Right. And I'd be like, wait a minute. Like and there's a difference between, you know, um, being irresponsible with behavior and just being child." childlike playfulness, but that's the one, right? Like, you know, and, and there's even scripture that says, you know, when you're an adult, you put away childish things. And, and I think somehow those kinds of messages get like, they distort the essence of play Mm. because the second thing we, we relegate play to is the reward we get on the weekend, almost as if you might not always deserve it. And then the third story I hear about play a lot is like, it's that It's that ultra elite. If you're lucky enough to be born into it or achieve it, you just get to play the rest of your life. And yet none of those narratives really support what play is and what it can do. And and when I started getting down to the core of what play really is, is it's doing something for nothing's sake. It's being fully present. It's activating my imagination. It has my full emotional connection, and it seeks to have community around it. Now, I like to have, tell people, if if you could take those five things and apply it to anything in your life, why the heck wouldn't you want play as a tool on the tool belt to help support getting where you're going? And of course, then some people say, well, what, what do you mean play? Like, are we in a sandbox? Are we jumping rope? And, uh, you know, and like, or sitting in front of video games? Well, play is a lot of things for a lot of people. Right. Like, uh, as we alluded to before, get, put you and I in a four by four and that can be playful. Put me on a golf course and that can be playful. Put someone else on a golf course and it can be absolute sheer terror and torture. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, so we all express our playfulness differently. But but boy, I'll tell you what, um, you know, Jesus's focus on children, I think, is is really the essence of what I'm suggesting to people that like, if there's a way to hit a reset button in the neuroscience of your mind, and just remember that time when you thought you could get to the moon, (laughs) like, or, or like that, like you could build the world's largest sandcastle. You just needed an, you know, another day, keep the, stop the moon from coming, right? Like kids. and, and, and this is the beauty of how we were created. Like, we we have to acquire knowledge, we have to practice wisdom, we have to learn to listen, um, understand, um, you know what language is. But when I was born, I dare any listener to like reach out to us at, at some point in the future and say, um, yeah, you know, I took my kids to classes on teaching them how to play. Right. Or, or I read a book on how to play. Like, I mean, the wonderful mother of my two children um happens to be a nurse. And so when our kids were little, I was not terrified too much because I knew she was a great resource. But, <laughs> but man, you can be sure I read some books on parenting, but in none of those books, does it talk about play? Because play is something that, that the divine creator wired us with, right? It's like, it's we were born to be joyful, and 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 play is a great mechanism to get there. And and towards that end, you know, it's it's why I'm so passionate about its role in mental health. Oh,
0: absolutely. Well, and we mentioned obviously the unlimited potential, right? The children, you know, have no limits; they're not deterred by anything. But the other piece that you you spoke on initially was using play to wake up the imagination. And I think mm-hmm. the imagination of children, right? Like that idea that we could reach on the moon, my grandson and I walking, you know, our dog one day and, and he says, he says, grandpa, there's, there's the moon and, and you know, moon during daylight hours. And it's a sliver. And he says, I want to sleep on the moon. And so he and I've written a book uh, about that's awesome. getting, getting to the moon because he talked about, you know, if we go to the garage and we tie some ladders together and 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 just had some great some great conversation about it rather than rather than just saying
1: oh no that can't happen exactly and 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 this is um that just warms my heart to start with um because it really speaks to possibility mm-hmm. and when um in, in the book i talk about kind of like four archetypes of the of the brain right i talk about gary the gatekeeper it's the back of the brain it's where your amygdala is and that's the part of the brain that would have struck your your grandson down without even thinking about it you would have said oh well someday you'll learn we can't go there but it's a nice thought right it's the part of the brain that says no to everything Mm. because its design is not to not to wake up imagination or to think about an abundant life. It's a very unconscious part of neuroscience. It's designed is just to make sure all the functions of the body keep going. So the minute you have some thought that's way out there, without even consulting your consciousness, it's going to say, yeah, no thanks. Because... It's design is survival, not thriving. Right. And then you've got your subconscious, right. And fortunately for your grandson, grandpa is like feeding his subconscious with possibility. I like to tell um, the story of both my children, specifically my daughter, who is now a uh, 31, 30, maybe. Hopefully she doesn't hear this and I get it wrong. <laughs> um, but I am sending her yeah, yeah, she, um, <laughs> She started as a child actress when she was eight years old. We came out of the Star Wars movies, the second, the first one in the second trilogy, after we had let them see the first three, which are actually four, five, and six. For those who I've just confused, just check it out. But in her mind, she said, Dad, I think in the next one, Princess Leia will probably be a a child like my age or a young teenager, and I think I could play her. And um, rather patronizingly, um, Robert, like I I kind of played it down a little. I didn't shut it down, but I said, well, why don't you write a letter to George, meaning George Lucas? (laughs) Three days later, my wife, um, as I walk in and give her a kiss, she says, uh, pay attention to your daughter. She listened to what you said. I said, what are you talking about? She comes out with this eight page letter. With this video, with this videotape that her brother videoed of her doing her karate moves, her kata, playing piano, modeling clothes, and three letters of recommendation: her Sunday school teacher, her karate teacher, and her elementary school teacher, as to why she'd be a great Princess Leia. Well, fortunately for me, I happen to know George Lucas's um, administrative assistant, so we sent the letter off. Four days later, we get a call from a casting director asking if my daughter can play a supporting role in a movie called "How to Kill Your Neighbor's Dog." I think it had Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, uh, not Kevin Bacon. I forget. they one of the Kevins, um, <laughs> and um, and Annette Bening in it. And I'm looking at my wife. I'm saying, well, she doesn't even have a, like uh, a, um, a an agent. Well, that story and that result was the first step that led my daughter to believe she can have anything, which is today why she's the executive producer of one of Hollywood's number one television shows called Young Sheldon. It's kind of like a prequel to uh, uh, Big Bang Theory, which was one of those nerdy shows. And, And why do I tell that story? Because it goes right along with what you told your grandson. I'm not sure how he's gonna string his ladders to the moon, but I'll never forget after that, I never told my kids no again. Like, I told them, if you can think it, then you can achieve it. Oh. And And one of the things that like I, I think that what play does for an adult is it kind of um, wakes up that part of the brain which has been asleep for a long time. Mm. It makes it think maybe something's possible. Like at fifty five years young, currently single, um, you know, coming off this entrepreneurial roller coaster, Maybe, just maybe, Steve can really make a huge impact in the world, which has always been his passion. Maybe, just maybe, Steve will find a love that's lasting, right? Not maybe, not maybe. But will, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and what was it that created that for me, brother? Being playful. being playful absolutely. yeah well, I've, got, I've got a little minion you know what the minions are right absolutely yeah. I, me and that guy have conversations all day long and he's 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 the fierce leader of of the diabolical steve who wants to do great things in the world that's the way my <laughs> imagination works <laughs> yeah
0: so so originally I, I talked about mine being you know the Bugs Bunny on one shoulder and Daffy Duck on the other, and (laughs) evil good Good versus evil. Right, right. I like the minion idea better because minions you have more control over, right? Yeah, that's right. Writing the script, you are
1: exactly for sure. (laughs) Oh
0: man, there's so much, so much power in in that idea of possibility and imagination. And I think as adults, one of the biggest challenges is that self belief that that idea that. Not only is it
1: possible, but I can create it. Yes, uh-huh. And um, and that's what imagination does. Mm. It 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 not only unlocks possibility, it like embeds um resource. You know, I love what, what Tony Robbins says when he goes out and he says, Look, we're all creatures of the same planet and all the resources are available to all of us. Yes, some may have access easier than others because of where they've been born and what they've been born into. But he said, the magic is in resourcefulness. And I always tell people the key to being full of the resources is asking what in my imagination do I have to create to get me from where I'm at to the bridge of those resources I want. And, um, and I'll tell you what, if you think about playfulness, when a kid wants a cookie in the cookie jar, there's not a thing that's going to stop them, right? Tenacity, passion, resilience. I'm reminded of the little um, – uh, there's a little YouTube video that went viral about his ki- a kid who stole the cupcakes. <laughs> it's called Listen, Linda, and it's oh. his, if you ever saw it, like it's his little – Yeah. It's his little story of like, it was his brother who did it. Right. But like in that, that's that childlike innocence that says, yep. With frosting all over me, I'm proud. I got what you said I couldn't have. (laughs) And that's, that is the nature of connecting imagination to manifestation Mm -hmm. because when we seek these things that, um, that give us what we want, right. Like then we'll go after it. And of course, um, the, the the very real nature of that is, is unfortunately, not only is it imagination is powerful and, and, and in many respects, it's amoral. It's how we apply it. And unfortunately, there's a there's a, a large amount of people who are highly imaginative who use it, you know, for the not good of others, which is why I say when we use imagination with playfulness, it kind of becomes the filter for purity because I can't really play and not have others in mind. So when I access imagination outside of play, buyer beware, you might have some, you know, some, um, temptation to use your imagination illegitimately, but if play becomes the, the central force for which my imagination wakes up, I'm always thinking about the betterment of all, uh, which is, which is a great sandbox to live in when it comes to the community of collaboration and, and boy, we need each other more than we ever have, you know, um, I was reminded the other day, I saw, a, 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 I guess you'd call it like a video article or um, on YouTube. I I don't remember what news station. I think it was a European news station, actually, showing Ukrainian children Mm. in a circle, singing a song and dancing around, laughing and playing. And the subtitle, I, I, I didn't have my camera or my phone near me or would have taken a picture to use it in social media, but the subtitle was literally play heals the pain. Mm. And and it's true. I like play is not the ultimate band-aid. We need more than just play. But most of us don't realize that it relaxes intensity. It helps create perfect self-expression. It wakes up imagination. It draws us closer together. It removes conflict. Like there are so many byproducts of play that uh, we'd all do well to like, after we listen to this podcast, go do something extemporaneously that feels like play that we haven't done in years and just see how you feel.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, you brought up an interesting issue there and, and I, I might have a different take on it, but exactly the same intentionality is the value, the importance of character, right? The importance of character and authenticity in, in an entrepreneur, in a, in a business person and, and I think it's that intention. If you go into play with the intention of like my company is is adding value to others, my intention will always be to lift others up, to build other right. people up and not tear other people down, not take advantage. Right. And so I know that I can earn more money and I can have more success helping people than I can hurting people. Um, our corporate history has seemed to teach us that, you know, you got to knock that other guy down. You got to use gossip and beat people up and, and hurt people to get to the top. And, and I think there, there is a need for character, right? And part of that personal development, obviously Tony Robbins, huge personal development space, character and authenticity matters. So can you speak a little to to character and authenticity and and how
1: those apply? Yeah. 1000%. To start with, i I like to remind people that my future does not have to be dictated by my past. Mm. However, if I'm not happy with my present, I better take a careful look at my past before I begin building my future.
0: Oh That's really powerful.
1: Yeah. And um, because the beauty of, of play by its nature, is it's so extemporaneous. It's so out of nowhere. And yet, if my entire life has been subject to, I choose me before I choose you as my model, right? Like if that's all I've ever seen, then my subconscious default may get a wonderful idea of how to play, but the flaw of my character being selfish. And by the way, it's great to be self-centered. Like I have to take care of myself, right? Mm-hmm. But to be selfish is clearly a flaw in character that will crack right to the core of our foundation. So when I think particularly as it relates relates to the workplace, one of the things I often do when I'm I'm interviewing somebody to prospectively become a client of mine because because it's important for me to not only align with people who work with me and my two partners. I mean, we spent four months interviewing each other before the three of us became partners because wow. we didn't want surprises. Right? Like, right. And we we knew over time that like character could be discovered. And frankly, we used play as a mechanism for it. I like to say this, if you want to, if you really want to know someone's character, at least in my world, you take them on the golf course and you (laughs) see how many times they look for an eraser on the pencil or look to use the the famous, forgive me, but the famous foot wedge, (laughs) right? Like, and move the ball, like
0: these
1: angry and yes and start using expletives right (laughs) or throwing clubs and um and i was i always tell people that like these are signs that there are predispositions already in place and and this is true for all of us like i look at at who i am today and there's a lot of things i really love about who i am we
0: will be right back after this short break This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R 2, dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more
1: greatness. One of which is I've finally learned how to love myself, which is perhaps one of the most important character traits there are. Um, I I happen to be on a podcast later this week where the whole subject matter is discuss the single most destructive life force habit you've experienced. And mine has been, yeah, like it's a, it's a very authentic experience. Right. And mine has been lack of self-love. It has led to all sorts of other things. Right. But once you're on a self-love path, then you can get real about the collateral damage of the rest of your life that you don't like, aka called results. You know, I always tell people, results, often harsh, are always fair feedback of my ability to make decisions.
0: You know, we mentioned Jesus earlier, and I'm pretty sure he talks about the fruit, right? <laughs> you will yeah, know by you buy your buy fruit,
1: by your fruit, you'll know them, right? So-
0: so let's talk a little bit about forgiveness then and the power of the power and necessity
1: of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, love, love this discussion. I long before I um, jumped back on the bandwagon of play 10 years ago, long before that, it became clear to me that being an easy forgive was as about as much as making my life easier as it was making someone else's mm. because at the end of the day, and I, when I, this is the best definition I ever heard of forgiveness, it's to give as things were before the offense. Oh, nice. You know, giving before, like, how would I feel about you before you crossed me, before you disappointed me, before you betrayed me, before you cheated, before you stole, whatever it was, right? Um, beat, hurt. I mean, the list of of offenses can go on. And I I've um yeah, this is one of the areas I'm really grateful for because um there's a lot of challenges in this person called Steve Ricks. <laughs> however, too, <laughs> however one of them is not forgiving. Mm. Um and I'll tell you that has gone like light years for me because Um, I've always, and I'm, I'm about 15, 20 pounds overweight right now. I call it my COVID 20. Um, and, and for me, I've always struggled a little with weight. I, two times in my life, I struggled a lot. I was like, like, I weigh about 230 pounds right now. I should weigh about 210, but I have weighed up to 270 twice in my life, back in my late twenties and and late thirties. And, um, and, and, and the reason I tell those stories is because when I think about, You know this whole journey of forgiveness and i think about like my body um if i had to carry all the mental weight of not forgiving along with the excess weight that i have carried at times i'm quite certain i probably would have contracted some form of disease by now heart disease cancer lupus something like my mind is very lightweight (laughs) like i may still get got a little too much around the waist but i don't have I, i like i travel as a minimalist mentally and there are enormous byproducts to forgiving now there's also the awareness that when i forgive i have to also be aware of the nature of the offense and how it affects me in the business world. Right? Like, tell me, you just, I had a guy embezzle $55,000 from me and he called me his business partner. Right. And then uh, three years later, right before the um, statute of limitations, um, he attempted to sue me saying I stole from him. <laughs> and I, yeah. No lie. Yeah. <laughs> no lie. And I spent, it was the first time I ever got sued back in my late twenties and I spent almost um, three years arbitration and an additional twenty thousand dollars proving my innocence, and actually getting a judgment against him for which he couldn't pay because he filed bankruptcy. Right. But what I but I, that was the last time I remember really being angry at somebody and holding something against them. And after that, what I really really learned was okay. Now in business, what can I learn from that about how I have partnerships and relationships? A and B mentally spiritually emotionally what can i learn and um and uh i think it was by stephen covey one of the covey's anyway but there's a book (laughs) called the speed of trust Mm -hmm. and in it the book says you got one of two ways you can either let people build trust over time or you can give it to them and see whether or not they chip away at it with their own poor decisions or if they fortify it because you gave it to them. So as it relates to trust and forgiveness and play, I will say this, that the sooner we get to the place where we're an easy forgive, the lighter the journey of life becomes. It doesn't mean we should um, give, uh, be, I've oftentimes been um, accused of being too, um, not, not too forgiving, but too trusting, right? Um, well, Jesus says, perfect love casts out fear. Mm. So I live with this mentality that those who I keep closest to me, if I love them fully, fear is only a function when I lack trust. Mm. So if perfect love casts out fear, then the need for trust goes away. So, um, and it doesn't mean we're not perfect, but, but it just, and I get to choose who gets close to me. Right. And so as a result of that, um, I think the sooner we can find our way back to, Childlike behavior, which is, you know, one minute they're yelling at each other, fighting over sec- something. The next minute they're super duper friendly again. Right. Well, the reason the reason we don't hold that is because we've never been taught how to get rid of it once it's there. Absolutely. Does that make
0: sense? Absolutely. Well, yeah. and, and I just want to clarify. Right. Forgiveness and trust are two different two different things. Characteristics, absolutely. And, they, and they're not exclusive. Right.
1: No. That's I can right. forgive
0: somebody for my sake. Yeah. It's not about them. It's about me. I can forgive them, but I don't ever have to trust them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's two different, two different things. Now, yes. obviously if I have to restore a relationship with them, say a marital partner, uh, a business partner that you want to continue the business relationship with. There's going there to be some checks and process. balances for that
1: trust, right? right. There, yeah. has
0: to be, there has to be a process to rebuild trust.
1: Yeah. But I can I forgive. Agree.
0: I can forgive instantly for my sake. And then what is the process to rebuild trust yeah to restore the relationship now obviously if i have a relationship that i don't care about the trust i still have to forgive in spite of the trauma or whatever and the story i tell myself is that i'm not i'm not a victim of that situation but i'm not going to allow that that situation or that person to define me moving forward yeah so forgiveness is definitely about yourself and I think Always. so many people are, are caught up in the idea that, well, if I forgive them, I let them off the hook, right? They're worried about justice and yeah. justice and forgiveness are not exclusive either. No. And so I can, I can count on God for justice, let God deal with justice, and I can still forgive because it cuts that control that they have over me. And, mm-hmm. and that's the important piece in there. The big piece you mentioned, we, we, you mentioned selfishness earlier, but then you also talked about gratitude. Let's talk about the power of gratitude in
1: shifting that attitude. Well, I'm, I like to tell people that in life, pain is part of living mm-hmm. and suffering is optional. Mm. Um, the reason why I don't suffer is because when I am in pain, I am reminded that this is not happening to me. It is happening for me. I also take responsibility when things that I feel like are happening to me, that's when I remind myself, yeah, silly, because of the decisions you made, right? Like gratitude for me is is like, hmm, I don't know that they are one and the same, but they're really close for me. The power of acceptance. Mm. What is is, I think, is the bridge to gratitude, and the reason why so few people. Yeah, I guess they're not totally the same, but boy, they're kissing cousins. Um, <laughs> the, the The reason why acceptance is so important is, until what is I'm I have no inner conflict with it, then I can't have thanks for it. Mm. So, so for me. Um, like I've stopped wishing at 55 that I only had one wife, that my body was in perfect health, that I had millions saved. And, and like, I've long since given up on the, well, if I'd gone this way and not that way, and I am truly grateful for every step in my journey. Some right. have caused me a lot of pain. And yet I can think of two right now that like, if I were to dwell on them, I could, I could suffer, but because I get to be conscious with it. And I use this term on, on purpose, play with the story. I tell myself, I'm the author of my own book. Mm. And maybe it takes me a little longer to get to the happy ending I'm looking for, but I still get to write the story. Right. And, and, And this is why I think gratitude is so important because the gratitude frame is a frame that I can't get there until I pass through forgiveness and acceptance, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. so good.
0: So good. Yeah. I mean, it's important to hear hear the things that you said in there because we can choose suffering. And there's people that believe they deserve to suffer and that they're that that's what they're meant to do and and they stay in that suffering frame rather than recognizing that the event just is right. Yeah, tire a flat tire just is a blown engine in the car. Just is now, maybe it's a consequence of not changing the oil that you're responsible for, but it still just is. And I don't and you I, and you bemoaning the fact that you didn't change the oil will never change the fact change that it, you right? Didn't yeah, place the engine. And so, coming to that conclusion that all right, I'm responsible for it, it just is. Thank you for the lesson, I'm going to take better care of the next car. And it, it has some, some, some extra costs, but it's not going to ruin my attitude towards my life. Right. Whereas some people get that flat tire and that, that, that's their whole day. I'm late. Yeah. It ruins meeting. the
1: day, if not the week, if not the month, right. You know, and, and by the way, when we do that, when we obsess on that, all it does is bake the narrative deeper that my life is miserable, Right. God so, is against
0: me. Yes, the world that, hates me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never, around. I
1: never get a break, right? You know, and and the reality is that, and I forget who said it, but I've heard it enough times to say it's worth repeating. Don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff. Don't and, sweat and, the big stuff because it's yeah, all right. small stuff. Yeah, right. Like, like even the premise of of death. Last time I checked, with the exception of two accounts in ancient biblical literature. Um, you know, everybody dies. Right. You know, so and those like,
0: other two guys aren't here either.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget Methuselah and, uh, and and I forget the other one who never saw death. But but here's the point, like that the, the premise of um, of living life on edge with the very next thing, it's going to ruin my day. Yeah. I, I, I can't go there anymore. Um, and it's,
0: it's fear-based, right? I mean, it's
1: fear-based it's It's focused
0: on what they can't control. Right. Whereas I can choose, not only can I choose to to tell the story of my life in joy and find the learning or find the happiness, find the right. If I have the choice between living in joy or, or living in sadness, which why wouldn't I choose joy, right? If I can choose that.
1: All the time. And then if I can yes. choose
0: joy more often than I choose sadness, why wouldn't I, right? But not only that, I can choose to see trauma through through that lens of gratitude yeah, and not necessarily be a victim of the world. And so it really is narrowing down to understanding I'm responsible for 100% of the things happening to me, around me, for me, and I have the right to choose how mm-hmm. I interpret that, right? Which is what you talked about—playing with the story, yeah, Play with the well, story in a way that brings you joy rather and lifts you up, rather than playing with the story in a way that knocks you down. No
1: doubt, like I mean, um, um, one of the ways I enjoy being playful is is um, with food. My dad was a professional <laughs> chef. Um, I never took a classic um, uh, course on cooking. He just he taught me a little bit about it, and ever since, I've always loved playing with food. And um, so last night, I'm just reminded I was I was folding my laundry, which is one thing I do not consider play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like folding laundry. But in the background, I had on um, this uh, reality cooking show called Master Chef Junior, about mm. these little kids, eight to twelve years old, who are cooking meals that are spectacular oh, and incredible. Yeah, and and I, I thought about what you just said because at the end of every episode, one of them has to be eliminated to get to the master chef. And and that could be a very traumatic experience for little children. But I'm amazed, like the one kid who got eliminated last night, he really kind of blew it, right? Like he just he he wasn't thinking. And um and had he thought about it a little better, he probably would have made a better dish. But you know what every kid said as he left? Great job. We'll miss you. Right. And I thought, see, they controlled the narrative of their experience. Like, let's think about this in big picture. You're one of 16 kids nationwide who got to be on a playful television show to develop a skill set, maybe win some money and a scholarship for your future. But like it's it's like when we get back to that essence of. Of play isn't about the result, It's about the process. We can layer that in because like the things we're talking about, there's some people that if I said, yeah, just be an easy forgive, like those two words don't even go together. I've been practicing being an easy forgive for the better portion of uh, that happened late 20s. So for 25 years, right? So that's why I'm good at it. But there's other things I'm not so good at. Right. (laughs) And that's where I rely on play to interrupt my patterns. So when we're thinking about behaviors that are overwhelming for us, if our if our character feels flawed in ways that like, I don't know if I could ever be better. That's why we go back to play, because play wakes up the imagination. If I'm stressed all the time, that's why we can go back to play because it can relax the intensity and it won't be enough, right? Like there's still the practice and the discipline, but it'll be the snapshot of possibility that says, wow, this moment feels better than that moment. And that's, um, that's why I'm so hopeful that the best for the world still remains ahead of us. Because if you look at the generations that are coming after us, especially um, my kids' generation, the millennials, they're all about experience, connectivity, community, authenticity. Like for them, they don't want a matching 401k. They want music festival tickets and a four a four day work week so they can go give their time and volunteer or, or travel both. the world. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Get both. yeah. Well, the, um, is, the challenge it, is they're not they're not
0: future thinking far enough, right. And the consequences of our future are catching up with us. And yes. I think, I think we need to, we need to be more aware of the consequences for our future. But the piece you really mentioned in there is the journey, the story, the, that, that that's all there is, right. We, we've, we've been, we've been misled that there's this destination you can land on and you've moved there. And, and, and even there, there's no satisfaction, right? You're living in the greatest state in the United States with with the greatest opportunity for feeling like destination. And it's not the the satisfaction isn't there, right?
1: And the satisfaction
0: has to be in the journey. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. finding that in the journey and recognizing that play can be such a great part of making the journey just that much more enjoyable. And Mm -hmm. so I tell people all the time, I use this line all the time, if you're not enjoying the journey, get off the damn bus. You're on the wrong bus. <laughs>
1: that's right. And you yeah. have
0: the choice. You have yes. the choice. You're you you. How many people are listening that hate their jobs? Yeah. And if you're yeah, right. it and you hate your job, you're doing the wrong thing.
1: Well, one of the things I, I heard that uh, that um it's it's frankly it's why we talk about experimenting with play oh. because experiments are about feedback versus performance which is about results oh, right so yeah good. yeah we live in this world where we're supposed to show up a certain way and look a certain part and say a certain thing and 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 perform at a certain level but experiments are about hmm well that worked i should try it again and refine it well that didn't work let's try something else and when we see our life as experimental then we're a lot less harsh on ourselves Because truth is, is I've had plenty of experiments that don't work. But what else have I done? I've ruled out a whole lot of things that I no longer have to try.
0: (laughs) That is is so powerful, not just for, that's the entrepreneurial journey.
1: Yeah. The
0: difference, the difference between uh, results oriented living, right? Where I, oh, I failed. That was a terrible failure versus Mm -hmm. an experiment where I just know one more thing that didn't work.
1: By the way this is why i know i'm going to have an amazing connection with a woman sometime in my future because i've experimented enough with the process of how to be <laughs> together and it not work i'm now keenly aware of what it's going to take to work hey, amen and, and
0: and you're magnetically attracting you're magnetically attracting to you that 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 you desire yeah versus versus the person who's failed in their relationships and it's oh, woe's me. I never get the right person. I'm always picking the bad ones. And I'm always, and they're focused on what they don't want. And guess what they get in the third. What they don't
1: want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) This is so true. Your mind
0: is more powerful than you imagine. And if you want something different,
1: you need to think different thoughts. Yes, for sure. Which, by the way, is the whole reason um, I wrote the book, Play Saves the Day, because play is a mindful thing, right? Like when I play, it's a very intentional thing. And I think a lot of times people talk about like mind hacks or consciousness hacks, and I appreciate the premise of a hack because our brain has a firewall it's called our subconscious right absolutely yeah and like it is set in stone that from an early age i'm going to behave a certain way unless i find a hack and so one of the things i did was i started studying like okay what does it be what does a behavior look like in the brain and and in the simplest sense it's two synapses and then it's a neural transmission back and forth literally an electrical signal and the payoff of that behavior dumps norepinephrine dopamine andamide, um, um cortisol there's seven of them i don't always remember them but these what i'll call pleasure or pain chemicals in the body to ward us off from certain things or to entice us to more things mm-hmm. which by the way is why anyone who's an addict is an addict because like we all know that if i'm an emotional eater and i eat a whole pizza it tasted good until it didn't but the first thing the brain remembered is that it tasted good you know if if someone's doing heroin or fentanyl or, or these really bad you know drugs it felt good before it didn't and so they remember the first feeling right oh, So yeah. what what no play doubt. does what play does is gives us a hack into the neural transmission, because Tony Robbins likes to say it takes massive action to change behavior, to which I say yes and no, because massive action is not the nature of the brain. The minute I do something that's totally opposite of what I did, I think of when you and I were kids, there was a show called Lost in Space, (laughs) and a robot would go, warning, danger, right? That's what my brain does when I attempt to try something new unless it came from a state of play because from that state it originated in my own mind it didn't come from the outside and that's where the brain says well this is different but you created it so let's own it and like, then and then when you repeat it and you repeat it
0: and you repeat it you, repeat it, you reprogram the subconscious exactly it, and it's yeah. so, so powerful you mentioned some things obviously i just have to jump in there cuz so powerful right the the idea that that we can program our brain. We have control over it. Recognizing that the the subconscious mind has a filter, and and that filter only recognizes three major things. Right? Is it important? Is it relevant to me? Right? Is it? And then does it match my belief system? And so many of the things that people start trying to think and trying to do as entrepreneurs, like we mentioned, the relationship thing, right? A, a girl might be important, and a girl might be relevant, right? And so you'll notice the girl, but then. The brain says, "Does it match your belief system that you're worthy right. of her?" And all of a sudden, it says, "Nope." So we don't even see her going by. Yep. But once you align all three of those <laughs> things, right? The brain, the brain will absolutely be bringing those into your awareness, and and you'll be observing, "Whoa, there's a girl there." Oh, there's yeah, a girl. Yeah, right. that's right. Oh, that girl mm-hmm. matches, right? Because the, right. the brain is the brain is looking for those things. And I think it's so important to recognize that we have control. To, Program that subconscious filter, and you no doubt. play play as the first step into hacking that subconscious filter. And I think repetition is the long-term hack, right? So, well, play there's no is doubt. And what does play the do? Door.
1: Play keeps me coming back, right? It by its nature, it's infectious. I enjoyed being in the sandbox. Let me go back to the sandbox, <laughs> right? So, um, and and watch this. I don't know if you know this, Robert. I just learned this last week. Which, by the way, I think is also part of the fun of playing because you're constantly stepping into what you haven't been in before. Mm. Um, and in his book, The Art of the Impossible, the author Stephen Kotler, Talks about curiosity being one of the biggest mental triggers to release dopamine. And for the purpose of our listeners, uh, um, moments ago, we alluded to like substance abuse as as one of the payoffs in the brain that creates addiction. Well, when um, an individual does a line of cocaine, it releases more dopamine. That's what it is, a dopamine trigger. But what I found out, and this is amazing, this is how we're made. Curiosity when activated dumps four times the amount of dopamine into the system. You want to go get high? Go do a line of curiosity. (laughs) So So
0: here's here's that. It is awesome. So one of the things that I it comes up on a regular basis is that so many people in our culture are stuck in that victim space. Yeah. They're living they're living in high levels of anxiety and stress, which the brain reads as I'm in protect mode. I'm dumping adrenaline because I'm in fight, fight, or freeze.
1: Yeah. And or so the all right to manage the stress. Yeah. The
0: brain is spending all of its time dumping adrenaline and cortisol. And it's leading to these funky feelings, right? People just feel like, uh, I don't feel right. I feel uh. And they're and they're missing out on the dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that are dumped when they're feeling joy or when they're experiencing play. Yeah. Right? And so you and I are on the same boat, right? We need to get out of fight, flight, and freeze. Your body's not designed to be there constantly. It's no. that's that's moment instantaneous run away from yep. the lion. Ah, yeah. But we're designed during the rest of the time to experience this positive joy chemicals that the brain loves to put into us that's so much better. You just mentioned so much better than a line of cocaine. dopamine oxytocin serotonin and endorphins that are made to make us feel so great and we miss so many people are missing out on them
1: because they're stuck in that cortisol adrenaline loop that's not good for your body no for sure and and of course here's the beauty of all this like it all comes and 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 i actually am happy to beat the 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 broken record or keep playing the broken record because it's not really broken it's time we play the 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 tune of play more often and just i uh, here's my favorite expression when i'm on on live shows i double dog dare you audience to like just go find five ways you've never played before or find five of your go-to ways to play and just set aside some time and then notice how you feel right? Because ultimately it is the emotion that's going to drive us to the healthy behavior, to the good character, to the forgiveness, to the love of self, to the care of others. And those things come when we have high levels of emotion, like joy, peace, gratitude, and, and, and love. They don't come when we're in frustration, anger, depression, numbness, right? So like it's important to activate that aspect of emotion and i i'll be shocked if you go play and if you don't get those those good emotions it's it's great stuff it gets me excited just talking about it i got dopamine going through the system now you and i are both
0: (laughs) in the same in the same place steve i love this so much all right steve you got you gotta tell me what what's your big dream
1: my big dream and it's um it's big and sometimes people tell me i'm crazy but in my book In my book, Play Saves the Day, um, I talk about how in the last 3,400 years, we have had 237 known years, recorded history, where there's been the absence of conflict on the planet. Mm. And like when I see conflict the way it's happening today, especially over in Eastern Europe with Russia, my heart aches. Mm. And I know my mission in all of that is to teach an entire generation of young people how play is the most essential thing they can bring to their adult life, not all the other stuff, and that over the next 20 years, my big goal is to teach an entire generation how play saves the day, and that perhaps we'll be able to get one more year of recorded history where there was no known conflict amongst man. And, um, you know, I'm very passionate about, like, uh, and I think empathy is a good word. When I see people struggle, I feel it. I mean, it could be across the street, a couple arguing. It could be, you know, um, a dog being yelled at by its owner, right? I mean, like, I just think, like, so, um So that's the big dream. And um, in, in, in like tactical strategy perspective, um, I to support that, the book I've written, Play Saves the Day, my goal is before the end of the year to see a thousand copies uh, distributed for every copy we sell, we give a portion to, um, charity, particularly to seize the awkward.org, which helps people, um, in the journey of, um, having unusually difficult conversations, right? Like, Hey, are you okay? Is kind of a hard conversation for people to have, but we need to have more of them and and play kind of invites that. So that's the big dream.
0: Steve. I love it. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate your heart and and your spirit. And I'm going to do all I can to help spread your message and share, share the news. So I appreciate you taking the time and uh, what a joy this
1: conversation's been. Robert, it's been a pleasure being your guest and anything I can do to help add value. You let me know because um, that's why we're here and hashtag play saves the day. (laughs) Aloha.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like subscribe or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at AddValueMindset.com. That's add value mindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. AddValueMindset.com. In our next episode, DJ Heart Attack and Robert have a conversation about travel and the nightlife how his nightlife experience empowered him to start his own food business in the middle of the pandemic, how he and his partners are creating a social movement around their culinary experience, is a valuable conversation about business growth, scale, and just the willingness to make it work.